You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hockey fans, if you'd like a copy of my new book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to flankerpress.com. If you'd like a personalized copy for $25 plus shipping, email me at terryryan2020 at gmail.com. That's terryryan2020 at gmail.com. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to part one of episode 96, or part A, however we're going to do that. So what I'm going to do now, I get a lot of these questions, and because of my sporadic schedule, I have been doing Mondays live on YouTube with my dad. We are going to do that. I'm just going to, uh, I need about a month. <laughs> need about a month. It's just sporadic. And I got a couple of acting gigs coming here and uh, they'll take place on Monday. Mm. But I will get back to that soon. I really will. And I'm uh, moving into a new place. And getting some new gear. So for a few reasons, we are going to pick that up soon, but it won't be happening this week. So what I'm going to do is answer some questions. And sometimes my preambles can get long, like an hour, hour and a half, and I just ramble. But there's people out there that like that. So I'm going to do just, you know, I'm going to try to do a solo kind of an intro on Monday or Tuesday. And 
then I'll put out the interview on Thursday or Friday. So that's the way it's going to work. It just fits my schedule now. It's always tough to do anything live. Um, whenever you're involved in, you know, acting and public speaking and well, it doesn't have to be acting. I'm on the crew next month. When I say acting, you know, I'm, I got these small roles here. Uh, nothing consistent that, you know, consistent will come up in a month when I'm joining uh, the crew, set dressing and locations, production assistants, stuff like that. I'm looking forward to get back working again. And that, of course, it's a long day, so you don't never really know if you're if you are uh, available. So I got to work around a few things, get some favors mailed in, shit like that, and then I'll be able to get the Mondays going again. But stay tuned. So I think at this point, I think we got our A coming on from Spit and Chicklets. Uh, so this is part one of what I think will be RA, RA's interview. And I'm looking forward to that real interesting cat too, but he only talks about like current events and chiclet stuff on chiclets, but uh, as do they all, each guy got an interesting background. I mean, you know, the chiclets background, but I think a lot of people might know a little bit more about Witter and biz than Grinelli and RA. So I'm going to have them all on at some point. I had Biz on about a year ago, last summer. Anyway, because I'm saying this because I know there's Chicklets fans that look forward to that and want to get to the bare bones of who R.A. is. And it's it's a wild story. But does he ever know sports, man? I tell you that. But as happens in this industry as well, people have deadlines and commitments and I often change things up, so we might have another guest. But what I'm going to do today is answer some more questions and, uh, yeah, go from there. So these are random. I just actually just I'm pulling these off my phone right now. Uh, so I don't really have anything ready, but hey, here we go. Um, Terry, your favorite country artist from Phil. Okay, Phil and Pickering. Country artist. You know, I like some old school. I respect Hank Williams. Not really into him, but I, I respect him. If it wasn't for him, I think a lot of genres would have suffered, not a, let alone country. He's a genius and all that, but I'm, I'm just, it's a little twang. I, I guess... Definitely Johnny Cash. Jeez, of course, Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. If you're going to talk old school, those are probably my three favorite. I mean, and 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 Waylon Jennings, therefore, I must like Sturgill Simpson. I found they, they, they sounded so Sturgill, for those that don't know, is fairly new, probably six or seven years now, maybe a little bit more on the mainstream uh, scene, but... Uh, I like his sound, his first couple of albums, old school. Um, God, it stopped my head. But when I when I played in Tri-Cities, the 90s country was kicking country back into Top Gear. You know, there was, love it or hate it, if you're a traditional country fan, you, you probably didn't appreciate that. But I did, I like 90s country. Tim McGraw, um, 
Alan Jackson. Uh, I liked Joe Diffie. Um, Neil McCoy. Shenandoah. I'm trying to think. Actually, I got a lot, don't I? I a lot of like uh, Randy Travis. And I know I'm forgetting a bunch. Clay Walker. He was one of my favorites. Uh, but And I lived out West. You know, everybody was into it. It's a good time in my life. So I remember these memories. A lot of these artists I remember, I enjoy as much for the memories as I do the sound. But no, I like that kind of country. And I I, um, I didn't really pay attention much in the 80s, to be honest. So I, I, and I, I guess, you know, now I find a lot of the derivative. I find in the 2000s and the, and the 2010s, I, I don't know. They were just repeating what already happened in the 90s. And it was, um, I don't know. It was light. It was feather light. Some stuff, though, came out of it that's, that's, of course, you know, good stuff. Brad Paisley, is it? Um, oh, Eric Church. Um, there's another one. Uh, Coulter Wall. He's probably my favorite. Listen to that guy. Sounds like, I mean, he sounds 85 years old. But he's pretty deadly, you know, so I, yeah, there you go. I gave you about a hundred artists, but anyway, I do, I do pay attention to country. I don't really have my finger on the pulse. I find the radio country nowadays derivative and boring once in a while, someone like Sturgill Simpson and Coulter wall. There you go. If you haven't heard those guys, check them out. They're, they're my two recent favorites. Go from there. Uh, thanks, Phil. Um, Terry, do you have a favorite goal? You often ask people on your podcast. I was wondering if you yourself had a favorite goal that you remember, comma. Okay. <laughs> comma, fuck. Uh, okay. Jakey G in Moncton. Um, Jakey G. I suppose there's, there's actually to make this an interactive experience. I'll give you one that's on the internet. Um, Tri-Cities Game 7, for sure. Spokane were our arch rival, and Tri-Cities had never made it past the first round of the playoffs, and this was to get us into round three of the playoffs. It was uh, overtime Game 7, and uh, I've had Jason Padolin on here. He was on that team that we beat, and um, when we – I should have asked Zenith about that a couple weeks ago. It was a great memory. We were roommates, and uh, – you know, we went to that game. I remember game seven against Spoke and what, you know, our season was either over the next day or we got to play another round, which ended up being against Kamloops. But it, uh, we took them six and it was another three weeks in Tri-City with the boys. So we, we enjoyed it. Uh, we had a great time. But yeah, it was because Spokane had just scored. Check this out. It's on YouTube. Uh, it, it, Terry Ryan game seven overtime. So I, I don't know what it, I've seen it on there. Um, and uh they had just scored and should have counted and the ref disallowed it said that they kicked it in, which couldn't have been further from the, I don't know how he got that. Check out the replay. I don't know how he got it. And the puck dropped and I went down and uh, yeah, shot it from the blue line, like a, a, a wrister. And my buddy, Mark Hurley went to the net and uh, Hurl says he tips it into this day, but I freaked out. Did a whole length of the ice Sally. And uh, the rest is, is history. We're on to play the Kamloops Blazers. But that was the most fun goal for sure. It was the first meaningful goal that I scored, you know, on every level. It, it gave me some 
draft status. It was in my draft year. Uh, like I said, we were a real family. We loved each other. I don't think we were we were going to win the Memorial. Well, we had to run into Kamloops, one of the best teams ever. They won the Mem Cup that year, nine to. I, I had Randy Petruck on talking about it a few weeks ago. Um, but for us, it was great. And Kamloops and 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 Tri City had never made it to the third round. Uh, if you want to get technical, the owners probably made, you know, six figures on that. So I was happy. They were happy. The fans were happy. And the scouts were happy. I can't see a negative. So that had to be my biggest hockey goal. Of course, I scored some in exhibition in the NHL. Those were great. I mean, scored in the Montreal Forum there, but I mean, it hit my leg and bounced in. That was dreamlike. I don't know if it was the same feeling of scoring a goal that was important. It was exhibition. And that's also on YouTube. Um, and ball hockey, I guess, going back to 2011. Uh, played against the got to add ball hockey because it's part of my life it's as much part of my life as hockey uh 2011 world championship semi-final against uh team usa those of you follow spit and shake let's follow our trip down to vegas bobby hauser was on the team we played against he was their big gun i believe he had a hat trick that game we beat him six five and i scored my third to make it was my third goal of the game to make it six five slapper from the blue line uh and we got into the final. We got crushed by Slovakia, but that was also a great memory. I played with my buddy Chris Sparks, Patty O'Keefe, Donnie Goss. They were on the team, Newfoundlanders with me. That, that was a blast. And uh, Sparky was on my line with a guy named Sean Hannon, and we had a great tournament. That was a, that was a good memory. Okay. T.R., who do you think is going to win the cup this year? Sheila Boise. I've, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> excuse me. I've, uh, <coughs> I've kind of answered this. That's why I should filter these. <laughs> I've got, cause I've kind of answered this before, but I'll give you a few teams. I, I really, I, I don't know. I don't fix what's not broken. I, you know, I have no reason to doubt Tampa. They've won a couple here. They've still got the best team in my opinion, or one of them. It's not like they suck. So Boston beat them the other night to overtake the lead. But it, for a bit, I'm, I'm still going to say, if, if, if really, if, if all my chips had to go into one basket, I would say Tampa. I mean, they're, they've got virtually the same kind of team with the same nucleus. Uh, they're still successful. They got a fantastic goalie, arguably the best. No one's really dropping off. I mean, Stamkos is getting older, but he's their leading scorer this year. I, I, I just have no reason not to say them. You know, if I was a betting man, uh, Florida in the conversation, Boston, Calgary, Colorado, and maybe Toronto. What scares me, I know Leafs fans are going to give me shit for that, for putting them on seventh. Um, it's just an understanding. Mrazek played last night and played phenomenal. Um, well, I guess he played good. I won't say phenomenal, but they beat Florida. So it can happen. It's, I, I, I don't know. It's, I, I just think Florida and Tampa are, are, I think they're built for playoffs. Calgary too, right? They get in. They're just, they've got outside of Goudreau and I know Monaghan's not having a great year. Just, there are guys that aren't bruisers, but I don't know. They're big. They're tough. They're good. They're all round. They're, they're well-rounded. 
Goudreau can go out there and get a lot more room with guys like Lucic, Pavin, you know, like it's not just Lucic. I mean, they finish their hits. Kachuk is one of the best all-around players out there. Finishes every hit, stick you. They're getting good goaltending. Um, but, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. In 93, Montreal, was the la- that's the last Canadian team to win the Stanley Cup. 1993, Montreal Canadiens. And in 1989, Calgary won it. I guess in between it was Pittsburgh. I'm not in, in 86, Montreal. In 80, was it eight? Four of those years, Edmonton. Before Edmonton, it was New York Islanders. Before the Islanders, it was the Habs. For, what I'm saying is that from like the mid 70s until 93, Canadians, Canadian team won the cup three out of four years. And we haven't done it since. I find that fascinating. So I'd love it. And I mean, I'm not, I, I chair for buddies, like I said. I mean, but I sit here, I bring up the Leafs a lot because they're in the news and I listen to Toronto sports and I bring up the Habs a lot because I played there and they're having a notably terrible year. But I mean, there's a lot of light at the end of that tunnel. I'll get into it in a minute. But uh, I don't know. I got, I just, I got no reason not to say Tampa Bay. And because Florida in that division and I'm watching Florida a lot, I don't know. They're dangerous guys like Barkoff and Huberto. And I can go down the list, but man, Uyghur's good too. And I don't know if they get the goaltending. I, I mean, one of those teams though, right? Like Toronto, Florida, Boston, or Toronto is going to be out in the first round. One, two of those teams are likely going to be out right off the bat. I kind of like the old one to eight format. I, I find that really odd. Toronto can finish like fifth or sixth in the league and then have to open on the road. I, I just, I, I don't see the logic anyway. Yeah. I, I don't care what Canadian team it is. Vancouver. Fuck it. I, I don't care. I'd love to see a, a Canadian team win and uh, have some Stanley cup passion right into the finals. Like last year with Montreal, man, that was fun. I don't care what you say, even if you're not a Habs fan, that was great to watch an underdog go on a run especially a Canadian underdog. And now that being said, I'm going to skip ahead because there is a question I'm reading here now. Why do you think Terry is the biggest recent sports story that's positive? This is from Carmel, Carmel Candy in Saskatoon. Uh, I think there's lots of them. Uh, some people dwell on the negative and I know people say, well, the media is negative. It can be, but when there's negative things happening, I'm not as down on the media as some people. I, I think if you were to only watch a couple of channels and I'm not talking anything in particular, politics, not just politics, like sports opinions or whatever. Say if I was to turn on, I don't know, Stephen A. Smith, ESPN, one of those shows, he's on a few. You know, they're often going to lead with a negative story because, it, you know, like the Lakers suck this year or Kyrie inconsistent, but, you know, goes off for 65 the other night. Uh, yeah, if Tom Brady, I guess controversial stuff, a lot of his stuff's positive. But, you, you know, if, if Tom Brady loses, it's often the topic of, the, oh, they lost. And is he going to retire? Because you, you often 
go to the negative first because it's interesting. But, you know, I can see how why people do that, because if, if it didn't grab headlines, then the media wouldn't do it. I think as humans, we're drawn to that. You know, like it's a terrible story, but I check every day to, to see what's happening in the Ukraine. Hopefully there's no nukes like hopefully this fucking Putin gets shut down. You know what I mean? But it's a negative story, but you follow it. I don't necessarily click to see who was saved in a fire in Hershey, Pennsylvania last night. You know, it should be. But um, anyway, now that being said, I think the media is responsible for a lot of bullshit that's going on on both sides. If you want to talk politically, I just mean in general. You know, I do get a lot of questions that say, hey, Terry, you know, maybe something positive to talk about. Well, I try to, but I, I'm not down on channels always for being negative or media outlets. Now, that being said, so positive stories, I think there's a lot. I think if you start in the NBA with Toronto and Scotty Burns, I love watching like Toronto Raptors don't have a superstar. They drafted Scotty Burns. Some people said they were nuts last year. It was a fourth or fifth overall. And he's really turning out to be, um, I won't say a superstar, but he could get there. He seems to be a great teammate. They're working together. I think Toronto are a fantastic example of a team that, I, I mean, I thought they'd still be rebuilding, but they might, I mean, all I'd say they're definitely going to, I'm going to say that, but all I'd say they're going to they're going to get in if they just finish 500 from here on in. They're going to get into the playoffs, and they might make a dent. I mean, you never know. I think that's a real fantastically positive story. The whole Toronto Raptors management experience, teamwork, and uh, obviously they got some great players. Uh, players Siakam and Van Vleter on fire, but I like Scotty Burns, the young kid. Seems to be grabbing the bull by the horns. Uh, another positive story, the Montreal Canadiens. It looked bleak. I mean, they still got knocked out the other day. They're on like a 13 of 17 game winning uh, bender, but they, uh, they've, in my mind, they're, they're one of the most positive stories in sports right now. They were gone. Cole Caulfield, remember, had one goal under Dominic Ducharme. Ducharme seemed like a decent guy, too. I mean, he took him to the cup final. I hope people don't forget that because it was smoke and mirrors, man. But they got there. He had a big part of it. Whatever happened this year, sometimes, uh, you know, good things, all things must pass, like George Harrison said. I, I wouldn't have thought so quick. But uh, who knows what was going on in the dressing room. But all I know is that Martin St. Louis came in and injected that team with an adrenaline boost of positivity. And uh, Habs fans have a lot to look forward to, I think, from the prospects to the vibe. And they're, they're not as bad as people thought, right? They're not as bad as people thought, which should be a sigh of relief. Jack Hughes, there's another positive story. Um, you know, you look at first overall picks. It's the guy in New York. My dad and I were talking about it yesterday, Alex Lafreniere. And he's, he's doing okay. I don't know if he's really first overall kind of good yet maybe he'll break out of that maybe some of that i think could have to do with a bit of a language barrier people don't bring that up much but i don't know if i was a, a, a francophone french guy you know there's french english and then there's people that you know i played with it, it, it took stefan roby great nhl defense it took him a couple of years to, to to even speak in the dressing room he just wasn't comfortable he was french first you know and lafreniere I, i'm not sure it seems like that though because he doesn't 
speak much. When he does, it seems broken English. So maybe, and, and that would take a while to adapt, right? Like it would. It's part of the reason I went to the Western League. People forget that or they don't realize it. But, you know, Tri-City was a long way away. Quinnell was a long way away. But I think I would have been more alienated had I gone to Rouen, Noranda, Quebec, like a, a French-speaking small community. A lot of people don't. A lot of people I know, like from Newfoundland, they're playing the queue. You know, their billets don't even know English. We, we, nor fucking should they. I'm not saying that they should. That's the part of the world they live in. I'm not down on it. I think it's great. I'd love to go there for months on end and learn French. But if I'm playing hockey, I don't want to have to learn a language. I don't have to deal with shit that is not necessary in my draft year. Those are the important, most important years of my life. Okay, we're far away in Quinell. I can deal with that. Right? I might speak a bit of Newfoundlandese. I speak fast. It might not be clear, but they know what I'm saying. I can I can relay a point. And the Westerners, I find, have a lot in common with... Quinell, for example, is like a mill town in Newfoundland. Right? Grand Falls really reminds me of, of Quinell in size, the kind of people. I mean, you know, a lot of people out West, I find, you know, maybe... Over here, we have a fishing rod out there. They have a hay baler, whatever. But it's the same kind of people, right? It's, I didn't feel so far away as the distance would have shown in Quinell. And in Tri-Cities, it's about 150, 200,000 people. It's the same size as St. John's. Now, did it feel like another planet? Yes. Because once you make that jump across the border, like they didn't even know much about BC, and that was right above them. We bordered on BC in Washington State in Tri-Cities. And the people there were very, wasn't their fault, man. I went to school there and we're, they're not taught it. But Newfoundland was like, like even my social, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. His name was Mr. Flesher, F-L-E-I-S-C-H-E-R. I was he, 50 out or 60 then. I don't know. Hopefully he's still alive. I don't, I'm sure he doesn't listen to this. He doesn't even know who I was in his class. A lot of people didn't, you were either into the Tri-City Americans or you weren't. But I remember oftentimes Kamaikan High School, where I went, would play Kennewick High School, the arch rivals kind of high school football. And, and there'd be seven or 8,000 people there. They would outdraw us. Now, we never, we got good attendance in Tri-City. Some games were sold out if it was the right situation. We always got four or five, but high school got seven or eight often, right? And the high school guys weren't really big on these Canadians coming in. And taking all the spotlight and the women and the attention, the, the cameras, whatever it would be. But so I really, a lot of people don't even know who I was. That's the truth. And my, I just mailed it in my graduating year. We generally hung out together and we were on the road so much. They gave us credit for like gym French. I got that credit because from, to be honest with you, our, Without getting into the bare bones of it, our system in Canada was way ahead of theirs. Uh, so down there, I, I graduated and I probably only had to take about six courses, but I didn't feel like part of the school. We went to the pep rallies and stuff just to check it out. And it was a bit of a blast going to those and being part of it. But it was almost like we were just, um, I don't know, uh, spectators or, you know, we, we got to experience it. but. I would never go to my high school reunion. I, I don't know anybody. Uh, Kamaikan was the name of the school. Kamaikan Braves. 
we would have these pep rallies like they just middle of the school day if the football team was playing after if there was a big military event or something and uh, i got it's great those memories and experiencing uh the united states i mean it was more good than bad i just mean graduating just felt like an outsider and mr flesher yeah he asked me he said oh, you speak real good uh english you know you for for being from a place that doesn't speak it i said well what i i, I didn't know if he was laughing at the newfoundland accent or it's like what and and in, when i said newfoundland and he was trying to get a grip grip on it he was going over to the map and i remember he he, he was looking around finland he thought that i was saying new finland because of the way we say newfoundland and he said oh newfoundland newfoundland and then he started looking up around greenland and i'm like yeah like you're my social studies teacher <laughs> right it, it, shouldn't you know geography a anyway and he's a great fella it just uh um i guess yeah he he was pleasantly naive i mean i had fun in there and stuff i just i don't even think half the people knew my name which is all good i don't even know where i was going with that i honestly don't positive stories anyway um oh yeah comforting jesus man do i ramble alex lafreniere yeah so i don't think he's adapted yet to the nhl but some people take longer than others he does have 14 goals he's probably going to get 20. i mean that's not bad but Jack Hughes, you know, tiny little guy. Everybody had their, oh, I, I mean, a lot of people were down on him. He does. He looks about 140 pounds. I mean, I didn't really predict success from this guy. And he is a bit cocky for my liking, but I like him. He's cocky in a positive way. He seems to be aloof, kind of naive, cocky. And I met him down at the All-Star game, and he was smiling the whole time. And he's, again, I don't think he knew who I was, but uh, those are positive stories. The, the, the New Jersey Devils, my buddy from Newfoundland, Dawson Mercer is part of that. Uh, there's two teams, the Habs and the Devils. They aren't very good, but I see a lot of positivity and uh, less stress, right? Less stress. They, these guys are happy with their future and they're just kind of waiting, not for the year to end, but kind of for the, for the year to end. And uh, next year, those young prospects will be rejuvenated and uh, more experienced. Uh, Canadian soccer is a great story. I mean, the women win the Olympics and the men just qualified for the Olympics. And for many years, we were a soccer pariah. We were absolutely. I don't want to disrespect the people that were on the team, man, because they were there and they did it. But so that's that's a bad word to use pariah. But in, in soccer. <laughs> especially the men the women i think were always ranked fairly high up <laughs> it might have been an underdog moment to beat the americans and get olympic gold but i i you know they were near the top the men were like 180th out of like how many countries are in the world i exaggerate but i think they were over 100th now they're up to like number 30 and anything can happen but uh soccer's really grown here my daughter's playing that i'm I love watching it. I, I love everything about soccer, except the diving. I fucking hate that. There's no way around it. People are going to do it, but I hate that part of it. Um, and something else I find fairly positive.
It's a long answer to your question, Carmel Candy, and some of it had nothing to do with your question. I apologize for that. I think, what is her name? The girl who just retired from tennis. Uh, hold on. Check this out. Sorry. Okay, Ash Barty. Again, I've heard some negative stuff. I shouldn't be on Twitter, though, right? I, I go on Twitter too much. I gave it up for like a year. and Just for the comments, you get sucked in. But, you know, people were really down on this girl, and she doesn't appreciate her talents and all this shit. And, you know, she doesn't want to work hard. Okay, she's 25 years old. She's the world number one. She's been playing at that level for, I'm guessing, 10 years around there. Trained her whole life. She's got millions of dollars in the bank. She's going to play for what? For fans? She's still got her knees. She can go on and do whatever she wants. Whatever the hell she wants to do, she can go try it. She's 25. She's a baby. But she's a successful 25-year-old that's got tens of millions of dollars in the bank. So not only do I think that's a success and a positive story, um, you know, not every situation is going to uh, involve a Tom Brady. I love that story as well, that he can keep going. But sometimes, you know, this girl's looking at it going, my body's getting beat up. And I honestly don't have the time to give to it anymore. I don't care as much, basically. What do you want her to do? Just keep playing? Because what? She, she doesn't appreciate her talents? What does that mean? Play until her knees are done? You know, I, it probably wouldn't be me. I'm, I'm passionate about hockey. And I mean, I'm sitting here now resting broken ribs, ready to play a game on Friday in the Herder Championship for the senior championship in Newfoundland. I mean, I love the game and everything that it's brought. But I totally see her point of view. I don't think anybody should be down on her. It's, it's her opinion. It's her life. It's her judgment call. And she's made the money. You didn't. If you can set yourself up for life at 25, by all means, door number one, go ahead. I also think it's great from this perspective. A lot of people complain that women's sports isn't where men's is, and I get some of that. I, the only part I don't get about that is the business part of it. Like, you know, start the league, and if, if there's fans, it'll, it's supply and demand, it'll take care of itself. But I, I I don't think for years they were included as much in the media as they maybe should have been. Uh, I don't think there was always a helping hand because, you know, it was always a given, you know, we're going to go watch a men's game, which I think is really outdated, especially like, you know, in the eighties, there was no like women's hockey or soccer team. I, that I really, I mean, there was probably a team it wasn't, it wasn't on TV. I don't, I don't remember watching. So we've come a long way. But now we're, we're, we're a 25-year-old female can retire from a sport because she made tens of millions of dollars. I think we've come a long way, right? I really do. And I hope hockey gets there. Like I said, I mean, I'm not down on women's sports. I think it's great. I think that's a fantastic example of success within that sport. But yeah, there is... there. there, there not to rain on the parade, but my point is always, okay, like start the league. Like there's a women's league out there now, right? The professional women's league. There, there used to be the national, I forget what they landed on. 
you know what? I'm going to have a guest on soon. My buddy, James Chicky Mentis, his, his daughter plays in it. So we'll have her on. She plays with the Toronto team. But what I'm saying is that a lot of people say, well, the NHL's team should reach out more. Let's, let's just see. Like, I'd go watch if it was marketed the right way. These teams generally are in big cities that can support the population and the, uh, and the growth of the sport. So I, I think there should be more awareness. It should be covered in the papers more, and therefore more fans go to the box office and you sell more tickets. I was just, I, you know, charity. I don't really get that part of it because I don't think you'll ever get anywhere with that. But I think we need to build those leagues. And, uh, you know, a girl in her 20s retiring because she made tens of millions. Like, go back. You, you don't have to go back too far in any sport to see that that was impossible. So that's great to see. Tennis have always been ahead of the curve that way. Um, I don't particularly like it, but I do like watching the best. Um, hey, Terry, would you fight a lightweight scorer to get them off the ice? Milky mitts in parts unknown. Boy, that's a... It, it, I mean, no. The answer is no. I, I, I don't ever recall doing that. It'd have to be the right situation. You said, would you fight a lightweight scorer? Well, lightweight, I guess, is the key word. Because even though it didn't happen in junior... Say Darcy Tucker was a big scorer, second in the league in scoring the Lanks, and it took the last game. It's another story in itself for that to happen. Tucks came second in the league twice in scoring. He was a fantastic junior scorer, probably the premier guy for the three years, four years I was in the, that he was in the league with me. Three years, um, and you know Tucks was a especially in junior. And he grew. He, Grew into himself. He was a bulldog in the NHL, but in junior, he was slight. But would I have fought him if he stuck me in the face? Yeah. But as a rule, no, I would never. Here's a good example. I played in Fredericton, and we played against the St. John Flames. And Michelle Therrien wanted me to fight Martin St. Louis. Never, ever, ever would I do that. I, I like rough and tumble hockey, but there's also a code. No one even really talks about it. But if I went and grabbed Martin St. Louis, Everybody would lose respect for me. The fans, the players, maybe the only person that wouldn't would be Michelle Terry, the guy who asked me to do that. Michelle would say that shit all the time. I mean, that, um, you know, half the time he was trying to light a fire, but he would say shit like that. You know, if I was playing now, I wouldn't grab Johnny Goudreau. I don't know. It, yeah, there's a code, man. Not that I think I'm Hercules, but, you know, someone that's an accomplished fighter doesn't just grab somebody that I don't think that ever happened as bad as it was in the 80s, you know, or, or as good, depending on your and as physical. And, you know, a lot of that I loved, but I don't remember much like Bob Probert going after Saku Koivu. That wasn't part of the spectacle. It really wasn't. Um, the odd time, man, if someone really ran the goalie and there was like tempers flaring like craziness, maybe then something like that would happen. And it's hard for me to even think of an example. And don't tell me Korea with Scott Stevens because that was a hit. It could have been anybody on the railroad track. Stevens wasn't wasn't just going after Korea. That was a hit. It wasn't a fight. No, I it honestly wasn't. No, I usually just either answered the bell for a teammate or sometimes you're going to pick one 
pick a middleweight. You know, Matthew Barnaby, when I went with him, that's a good one. Both teams, uh, the game was feeling a little flat. It was a one-goal game. He figured he'd pick his team up. I thought I'd try the same. And we had a knock him down, drag him out fight. Uh, that is was usually the route for me. Uh, ooh, what else we got? Uh, Green Sleeves, check it out downtown, uptown, TJ's Pub, Trinity Pub, Bull and Barrel. Those are my favorite bars downtown. And oh, today I'm going to meet Steve Parsons. So, you know, Steve Parsons, hockey fans from Chicklets. He was on Chicklets about a year ago, maybe, give or take. And he was part of the St. Paddy's Day Massacre. He's been a guest on my show. Might have him on again. I mean, he's here. Um, he's been a guest on my show a couple of times. Uh, my old podcast I had with the boys, Third Man In, and uh, I had him on here. God, it was over a year ago, I believe. Um, my mental Rolodex is failing me. But anyway, great guy. And a fantastic dude, good teammate, and uh, had a death in the family. So uh, he's actually getting in in two hours. I'm going to pick him up from the airport, and we're going to go and have a few beers and a bite and uh, play some trivia at Trinity Pub. We're going to take his mind off things, and then maybe hit Green Sleeps for some live music. Check that out. Penny Posh, Women's Wear Reimagined, Hoodies. That's my ex-wife, Danielle, right? But she just made some uh, part of Penny Posh. Check it out online, uh, Penny Posh Designs. But she's got she's got these, uh, what are they called? Coveralls, women's coveralls. And she just anyway landed a deal uh, with, I don't know, some oil company here. I'm not really at liberty to say, but she did. She landed a, a significant deal for the first. She came up with this in 2012 or 13. It's been almost 10 years. And I help her out here and there, but it's her thing. She designed it all. And uh, I often brag about the hoodies, but the coveralls are great. And you sell those in, you know, large numbers. These, these, I guess she's got an order for 40 or 50. So check it out. If you're into that stuff, you'll get them for a great deal. And, uh, you know, she got them made specifically for women. So it's a business adventure and I wish her luck. Um, sponsors. Shoot me a note, Terry Ryan 2020 at gmail.com. <coughs> uh, thanks to DraftKings as well. They're, they're renewed with us. And uh, I've had some inquiries lately. So go that route. And I think we're going to partner. Or I'm going to partner with True. So uh, in some capacity. So True are going to jump on board. Thanks to Corey Gregory and the team at True for that. Uh, so basically... I'm going to have uh, some sticks here if you want to make an order and I'm going to be a, an ambassador and uh, my character hitch ensures he uses a true stick. So I figured it was a uh, match made in heaven. I also use them with uh, Wally Bray and the ice dogs hockey here in Newfoundland. Uh, check out that if you're local, Wally runs great hockey schools and I help out in the summer when I can, which is 80% of the time. So that's great. Check out Wedgwood Cafe too. Peter Wedgwood, he's going to come and meet meet me in purse. And uh, we're going to watch some live music tonight at Greensleeves. So yeah, there it is. This is episode 96, part one. That's what how we're going to do things. 
I'll be back to you guys in a few days with hopefully the rear admiral. Get a little bit of a chicklets bump, but uh, if not, I'm sure we'll have somebody interesting. And uh, senior, we'll be back. Tales with TR live soon on YouTube. Check out the Hockey Podcast Network for details. Thanks to DraftKings, all my local sponsors, and thanks to True Hockey. And uh, stay tuned. More on that to come. See you guys in a few days. This has been episode 96, part A, Tales with TR. Catch you guys on the rebound.